Hello, and welcome to the Future Podcast, episode number seven. My name is Jeremy Bullerice, and every single week, I sit down with a guest, and we talk about technology trends and where the future might take us. In this episode, I talk with Gabby from Womp, who is the CEO and founder of the Womp platform, which allows people to create and share 3D objects much easier. Let's hop into it. So I'm here with Gabriella, the founder and CEO of Womp. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. So um, we've been talking um, previously right before this episode and you were telling me about some of the things y'all are working on and it sounds very interesting. So why don't you give us kind of a brief um, overview of the things you've been working on? Sure. So me and my team for the last three years have been tackling some of the issues um, around 3D and 3D technology, um, how it's kind of out of reach for most people. Our hardware is amazing. Our printers um, are getting better and better, but really the access to this technology is being limited because most of us don't know how to use CAD. We don't have a computer that can use CAD. And the programs that are online are kind of difficult to use. So at WAMP, we're kind of building the what we like to call the square space for 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, I've been using uh, Pinterest as well of 3D. And it basically allows anyone to access uh, 3D files, um, 3D scenes for augmented reality, for 3D printing. You can manipulate the scene easily without having to understand the commands. And you can navigate a whole marketplace of things that other people have created. Mm -hmm. And what makes our platform so special is that it uses parametrics, which means that your file is dynamic, like an Excel sheet. And so you can modify files easily by changing numbers uh, on a slider without having to really understand commands. Awesome. Um, And that was the big vision we had. um, And we've been, you know, kind of chugging away at for the last three years years um and then of course things all everything kind of changed uh being a new york city startup uh, a couple weeks ago um as the coronavirus started hitting us and uh, we had to do um i've been calling it a micro pivot it's Mm -hmm. not really it's like a momentary pivot into helping we realized that we really could help the cause um and that's that's where we're at right now awesome um so what are the some of the things that you guys have been doing um to help out with the virus that's going on right now like to help out that situation and how um you'll uh, resume or or go back to what you were doing um after this is over so when the virus first uh started hitting the city there was a lot of talk about you know trying to help print out masks print out um equipment for people at the hospitals um and we obviously being a software company that actually provides um the interface for people to purchase manufacturing. We ourselves weren't manufacturing. We have some 3D printers, but we're not really a huge shop for Mm -hmm. um, pumping these guys out. So we kind of took a step back and allowed other people to kind of assist. And we were kind of watching on the sidelines when we realized just having people reaching out to us, people discussing files, asking for modifications, we really realized that at least 25% of what we're really ready to launch could actually really aid in the situation, mm-hmm. uh, we realized that uh, by using a platform that allows people to look at and examine 3D files globally, mm-hmm. so not needing to even open up a computer, just looking on your phone, on our browser, being able to see 3D files and annotate them mm-hmm. was going to be tremendously helpful. So we've been beta testing that with a couple of engineers and people in the cause. And it's been um, it's been very interesting to see how it helps unify what files are out there mm-hmm. um and what uh what 
what, what the commentary from professionals are on those files. Um, and other than that, we've just been actually, um, we've been rallying up our troops of providers and manufacturers that usually power up our site because mm-hmm. um, our site allows you to actually purchase in the site itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been rallying them up and getting, getting them printing for hospitals um, here in New York. So we're in the middle of also helping with those operations. Um, and our platform would kind of merge both together. So as you're talking about a file, as you're manipulating a file, you can see pricing and you could actually order it um, directly on the site. Love that. Um, I also love uh, beyond just like uh, 3D files. I love how a bunch of companies out there that aren't necessarily doing anything in medical um, that are kind of stepping up and helping to contribute to help with the res- the resolution to this whole issue we're having, which is awesome. Yeah, and it, I, it's not. It's never. I, I mean, it's an understatement to say that I would have never imagined us being in this position where mm-hmm. we're like, that I'm even talking to anyone at a hospital or anything like that, because it's just not our area of expertise. We're more like a consumer um, platform mm-hmm. or a, um, yeah, an emerging tech platform, not really a uh, health tech uh, platform, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so interesting to see um, the overlap with the 3D technology mm-hmm. becoming so relevant all of a sudden. Yep. So um, relevant. Do you yeah. think as you learn more and develop uh, during this period of time, do you think that uh, you'll still, you, you you know, make more progress in this side or aspect of, or, you know, more in, in the medical side of things and uh, maybe still focus a bit more energy that you would have otherwise um, after this is over? I would say yes, because I'm actually, you know, we had a thesis and the thesis is that 3D and the tools out there for 3D are really just hyper-focused on engineers and mm-hmm. hobbyists and people who work in this area. Mm-hmm. And our thesis was that 3D is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And if we actually democratize the ability to view these files, to manipulate these, to just even break the barrier down for someone to start interacting with 3D files, mm-hmm things are going to change fast um, in terms of how we think about what we can do. As soon as WordPress or all these other published web publishing sites came up, I think people changed their, their thoughts around who is it that can publish a website, Absolutely. who needs a, a mm-hmm. website. And that's what we're trying to do with WAMP. Like, why can't we actually make objects today? The mm-hmm. machines exist. Why isn't my mom replacing some of the things she wants to replace with a 3D printer around the corner of her house? And mm-hmm. it's all because of that 3D file. And what's really amazing with the coronavirus, again, the machines are all ready. They're all fired up, mm-hmm. but it was all about the 3D file, mm-hmm. the, the power of that content. Giving it to more, giving that ability to uh, build for it to a lot, many more people that wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of doctors mm-hmm. and medical engineers who could be having conversation with manufacturers in a single unified space instead of having to exchange files, open with a program, open with another program. Mm-hmm. Is this the right file? So opening communication, uh, media, um, web, cloud-based uh, 3D is really um, our vision for the future. So it's it's been a really, I mean, horrible, of course, but also very interesting way to prove the necessity and the actual future of, of media and, and manufacturing mm-hmm. unifying into, uh, into this 3d world. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I, I think you brought up a very interesting parallel with the websites and like the website builders that came up, like a lot of people were building 
um, you know, coding websites from scratch previously. And that was all great. And, and I mean, there's still people that are doing that. Obviously, there's a lot more frameworks um, and libraries available. So people aren't doing necessarily from scratch. But when the website builders came along, then it became accessible to a lot of people. And then the growth started expanding a lot more because not only is it accessible to more people, but it's much easier for people to do it. Um, so yeah, there might be exactly. slightly less flexibility in terms of some of the things you can do, but right. it just opens so many more doors. So I think that could be a huge opportunity for the accessibility to yes, a lot more people, but also, um, if you don't necessarily need to do extremely complex things that require specific software, then I think the output, um, and productivity just increases a lot more for people that were doing it before. Exactly. And I mean, the way we're, we're doing our platform is so that this kind of template idea exists as well, just in the form of objects. So if I've designed a chair, somebody can repurpose this template that mm -hmm. I created yeah. without having to rebuild it from scratch. So mm -hmm. it's a, um, it's a, it's a strong parallel with the, with the, with the software. Absolutely. Um, Things are becoming yeah, a lot more modular and you can build on top of other people's stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Being able to manipulate and print over other people's stuff. We're incorporating 3D scanning as well. We know that the really the future of, you know, the phone, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've seen 3D and Instagram. We're seeing the iPhone really focused on acquisitions in the 3D space, as mm -hmm. well as incorporating 3D, 3D scanning into the phone, and computer especially vision, for augmented companies. reality. Yeah. It's, it's not a question if, of if, but when um, we completely adopt 3D. And we really believe that um, with the combination of my team's background, uh, our experiences, mm -hmm. we have kind of seen into the future of what kind of platform we would have wanted mm -hmm. when we were bridging into 3D for the first time and what would have made us understand the concepts of 3D uh, more easy, mm -hmm. uh, more, more, more clearly. Um, I, I do believe that the general thing, when people ask me for my big vision, I do believe that uh, a platform like ours is the future of the consumer experience. Mm -hmm. I believe that we will be purchasing uh, things that are represented to us in a 3D file as opposed to a 2D image. Mm -hmm. And we'll be able to manipulate certain aspects of the, the products we buy with certain constraints. Mm -hmm. uh, but certain aspects of our products will be either added, uh, manufactured with uh, additive technology mm -hmm. or other kinds of digital uh, manufacturing. And so the 3D file and the consumer's ability to personalize that 3D file is going to be the future of like basically the consumer experience Absolutely. Um, Amazon. Um, yeah, no, totally agree. I, I, we're moving towards in, we're moving towards like a life that is very, um, we're, we're trying to move towards things that are as efficient as possible and that are more convenient. So like Amazon was doing, you know, quicker and quicker shipping for their items, but eventually you'll just be able to scroll and, and look at items like in, in 3D. And that's where I think a couple other emerging fields are going to be very beneficial to this, like AR and VR as well. Um, we're totally. going to be able to like look at items and, and see how they like fit on or what they look like in different environments um, before actually um, purchasing them or printing them yourself. So that's yeah. going to be huge. And very early on, I was very interested in the overlap between 3D printing and AR because mm -hmm. I really saw it as a single kind of revolution. Mm -hmm. It's been very segmented, but it's the same file that can be used and often is not um, kind of categorized that way, either in software or in profession. People are usually using 3D, but just very differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen a, uh, our goal is to really be a platform that's 
that actually merges both together. So being able to preview something that you're looking to print, see if it fits um, and being able to see um, the cost of that print live mm -hmm. and being able to purchase it uh, while you're you're visualizing it in augmented reality. Yeah, love that. Um, I, I think also I've talked a lot about this on the podcast and uh, like VR is great for games and there's so many educational applications and there, there's a lot of applications, but the AR is going to be, I think everyone's yeah. going to walk around. We're already in some digital world. Like there's some layer of digital to us and we're merging closer with their data. But AR, I think is going to be, the devices are going to get smaller and smaller. And, you know, who knows? Maybe one day we'll have like contact lenses or some chip in our, in our eye that'll, that'll have the digital assets overlaid. But I think that almost everyone um, is going to have some sort of headset. Uh, and, you know, that'll be a normal thing. They'll be like wearing a hat and it'll just create this whole new experience tailored to them so that's super powerful and i think beyond just purchasing of items um just the everyday experiences that people are going through uh there's going to be since we're you know we're living in 3d worlds so there's going to be the need for 3d items and the ease of of creating those for developers or um i guess almost anyone at, at that point will be huge. exactly mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I, I think you're right about VR versus AR. I quickly, you know, dis, not discarded VR, but kind mm -hmm. of uh, realized that VR is kind of a niche, uh, more of a gamer play. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it requires you to put something on your face, which I think is always hard. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that we're closer to having people put um, contact lenses in to see AR than we are in a world where everyone's wearing a headset. Yeah. Maybe post-corona, I'm wrong. Maybe VR is a new thing in the post-corona world. Um, but uh, I do, I, I am a strong proponent of AR. And as a matter of fact, it's part of our technology to uh, easily view things in AR. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, there's uh, been a couple companies out there um, that have been building, uh, it's technically an AR headset, but what it does is, well, it's completely closed off like a, a VR headset, but it has the cameras on the outside that reconstructs your space, but you see it on a screen. And then it adds assets on top of that, which I think is interesting. But I think people won't want to be completely closed off into a digital world, like especially if they're going, mm -hmm. they're walking around in, in real life, um, they're going to not want to feel like they're stuck in this little box. So I, I don't know. Some people theorize that they're going to be always spending time in some sort of VR world, but I I don't think we're going to um, anytime soon. I, I think the emergence of AR and just uh, maximizing the emergence of digital in real life is going to be uh, much more prevalent in the near term than you know VR. World. I totally agree. Yeah. I completely agree. I think AR is really, um, and, and we see it already. I mean, it's already um, happened organically mm -hmm. through Instagram. We, we, we forget how much of AR is already in our, in our language yeah, uh, right now. It's just not the AR that we, uh, that we kind of associate uh, with that term. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think my team and I were really surprised when uh, Instagram made that 3d turn, which was quite recently. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very exciting for us because it was, we had, we had years ago mocked up an, an, an app that did exactly that. Um, and so we, we realized we really are um, not only um, on the right track, but the right timing mm -hmm. uh, to release this product. Super critical. I mean, you can have, you can be super ahead of 
the curve but so timing is super important and especially if you're developing a product and it takes a few years to you never know what the landscape is going to look like or what's going to develop in the in that period of time so yeah i mean if that timing lines up that is that's huge for example in i think it was 2007 when google glass came out um nobody was even exposed to any kind of ar so i I think that ar apps um some of the things that instagram's working on and you know a bunch of other developers they have exposed people to putting digital assets into the real world whether it's just you know a face filter or your rear camera's pointing at something, or Ikea, they have their, their app where you can place furniture in your house and see what it looks like before buying it. So I think that exposure got people a lot more ready. And Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the original Google Glass, people just didn't, like, they didn't understand it. Um, and yeah. it just, it wasn't ready. Plus now we're, we're going to have um, 5G. So we're gonna have way more, uh, we're right. gonna be able to compute way quicker. So getting things, onto our devices, for example, like real t- getting real-time data um, into our devices is going to be make, make a lot more sense. But back then we had like 3G network speeds and getting, right. you know, whatever services you're running on there can be a really great experience w- without much better network speeds. So the 5G timing is lining up a lot better with the new headsets that are coming out. So that's going to play a huge right. role in my opinion to getting a much better user experience. Yeah, and I think the Google Glass in this is an odd way was too ahead of its time mm-hmm. in, in every way. It's almost like uh, we, the, the and, and it's a little scary for people in emerging tech because uh, when society isn't ready, even if the technology, even if Google Glass was fantastic and actually was a great user experience with mm-hmm. whatever internet speed, I think people would be, uh, when things are, too futuristic and don't fit in with like what we're ready to accept as the future. It, yeah. it, it somehow consumers just are, are not willing to adopt. It's, it's actually a very interesting phenomena uh, psychologically that we, that we kind of reject something that's too, too in the future. It's mm-hmm. almost like we don't want to believe it or it's, it seems somewhat ridiculous. Or it just doesn't blend into our ecosystem. Then. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. That too, but I think also the way we package the products and the way we build a narrative around the product ecosystem that that we're building, I think is a huge key because if people don't see the story around it, um, don't see how it can blend into their lives, then uh, people will have a, a hard time seeing how they could even have it themselves or how that would work for them. And that's been a concern for us uh, while building our product because we found a lot of... Um, we had found a lot of skepticism, obviously, in the VC world around mm-hmm. the need for a platform like this for people to make objects. We we had a lot of questions from people being like, "Well, do people want to make objects?" And so, well, I think, I think, I think yes. I think people want to make be able to make very specific objects for very specific needs or very specific wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, that was kind of uh, you know we we came around just as the three D printing industry was um, hitting that. Uh, kind of hype cycle Mm -hmm. and so we're kind of hoping to we're kind of seeing the growth again of 3d especially with this i mean i i can't emphasize how relevant this um this crazy uh crisis has been to show the importance of digital manufacturing Mm -hmm. even if it's um not necessarily scalable any other time uh, of the year or is it something that we think about deploying massive 3d printers to manufacture something mm-hmm. it has really proven 
how special uh, 3D technology and how far we've come with 3D technology. Mm -hmm. um, and we're hoping that, that this kind of also resonates with people who are at home, who aren't doing anything, and that have a couple of ideas of objects that they would need now uh, to combat the crisis or even to, to come up with uh, inventions to help uh, with the crisis, like uh, not having to touch a door, um, special door handles so that people are using their elbows or their arms to open a door, mm -hmm. or even, you know, my father's a microbiologist who's working on the front lines to, to help with this in South America. Mm -hmm. um, he's always so interested in seeing the latest file that's come out and how he could tweak it or how he can imagine a change in it to fit his needs. And mm -hmm. that's, that's really uh, what we're hoping to launch in a week or so. Um, for medical professionals and people on on the uh, on the front lines of this of this crisis. Yeah, I love that. I, I, and that's a great opportunity for like proof of concept of how the product can really be used. Um, if, for example, yeah. I'm going to use this as a parallel, but in the mid '90s, before um, Netscape went public with their the company that came out with the first web browser, um, they a lot of people were trying to raise money for internet ventures, but VCs weren't really interested. But then as soon as Netscape went public in the mid nineties, then VCs started giving it a crap. Like that's when they started right. uh, taking interest in internet companies, even though they hadn't really made money yet. Um, so I, I think if, if this is, uh, even though it might not be a, sh a long term thing, uh, mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity for proof of concept of how the technology can be deployed in super meaningful ways. Yeah, and I think another uh, conversation that my team and I have a lot is wh what is the future? What what is our future now post post uh, post virus? Even with vaccines uh, deployed, um, mm -hmm. is our future in the next ten to twenty years having to face you know uh, pandemics uh, similar to this, mm -hmm. uh, more aggressive pandemics, uh, microbial, uh, bacterial uh, pandemics, and what it, what how does this relate to what we're building in terms of being able to respond? um ad hoc uh, to a crisis and being able to leverage technology to innovate faster how do we leverage 3d to innovate faster mm -hmm. um in in the face of the next 10 to 20 years so so maybe maybe after corona we all do have to be thinking about consistently purchasing masks or solutions to um to be able to quarantine um on on the spot gotcha um so Usually the second uh, half of the episode or further in, into the episode, we talk about what the technology will be used for in the future. Like, so in the next few decades, what do you imagine are the, you know, top one or two um, avenues that the con since this is a consumer product that consumers would be using the tech for? I think the consumer will be using our tech to at least purchase 10% of the objects that they purchase online. Mm -hmm. um, we, we hope that in the next 10 to 20 years, um, even less, honestly, in the next 10 years, we become a uh, 3D in general and 3D technology becomes an actual option for a person instead of having to purchase everything ready-made. Uh, we do believe that uh, people will be thinking more about looking at templates of things that exist and manipulating them to their, to their um to their liking. Uh, my my thesis on this is that brands like Ikea or Nike or 
um, any any consumer brand out there uh, who's looking for engagement and who's looking to uh, you know be on top of the market um, is going to be interested in engaging in 3D technology. So I imagine, as I said before, that the way I purchase a Nike sneaker now would be purchasing the sneakers based uh, with everything that's traditionally manufactured and then having the option of manipulating certain parts of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really the future um, of our platform. And I, I think furthermore, actually, the the application in the future of our platform will be mixed into media as well. I, I mm-hmm. have this strong thesis of media and manufacturing merging into a single experience. So if I'm watching um, some kind of uh, post or ad on Instagram for an object, I can then access that file immediately, try it on, manipulate it to my size. Um, we are, we do expect uh, um, artificial intelligence to be something that is heavily incorporated into our site. Uh, we're currently working on some algorithms for reverse engineering, mm-hmm. uh, but we do expect uh, artificial intelligence to be able to help us further customize objects to our needs. Um, and that means basically detecting or auto adjusting objects um, depending on materials or on costs. Interesting. Um, so for the last at least five years, we, we've had like 3D printers for consumers to be able to purchase online. Um, what do you think have been some of the barriers um, beyond not having a platform to be able to access and and develop files very easily? Do you think it's it's been that they just don't have a platform like that? Or is there other barriers that are preventing people from um, hopping in on this? So I think the quality of the 3D print that we're, most of us are familiar with is pretty bad. Mm. It's a usually, or, you know, it, it has its place and it has its use, certainly in this crisis it does. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the, the quality is a layered plastic mm-hmm. that is somewhat relegated to some kind of tchotchke or toy mm-hmm. um, that you can throw in the back of your closet and, and say, oh, I have a 3D print mm-hmm. um, of like a Pokemon. Um, and I think that that's kept a lot of us of thinking about 3D printing as an option for a lot of, you know, solutions. Mm-hmm. I also think 3D printing has been, uh, you know, kind of out of reach in terms of pricing points. It's been very expensive mm-hmm. and it's lowering in its, in its cost. Now, I do think that it is almost, uh, it's almost entirely a software problem just because even the machines that can print kind of this poor quality, like the MakerBot, uh, mm-hmm. for those who are familiar with the MakerBot kind of 3D print, we yep. call them FDM prints. Mm-hmm. Those those machines could print amazing things if designed properly for that machine. Mm-hmm. And part of our platform's goal is to design for this technology. So being able to leverage each machine's abilities or, or weaknesses um, in terms of design and analyzing how to design for it so that you have a successful print and you leverage what's best about that machine um, and, and I think that that's more than anything, more than an ability to design. It's about the compatibility with the materials and the process. Gotcha. Even as a, you know, autodidact CAD CAM engineer, I found myself having to, you know, prototype something three, four, five times until it's accurate. Mm. So if we can, you know, break that barrier or lower that barrier of, of entry to understanding a successful print with one of these machines, then that's, I think, going to be the, the greatest, um, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the greatest bridge into us using these, this technology. Mm-hmm. So if we can have people work on uh, improving that side of things, do you think it would be beneficial for um, those people to be able to create content around how 
you can actually create meaningful things as well? Absolutely. Exactly. The, 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 the purpose of our platform too is to create a community around people who already understand the, uh, the technology and mm -hmm. are actually upskilling everyone who's, um, we almost have three categories of people that we're usually working with that we worked with over the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, it's usually somebody who's an expert who is always interested in new programs and new ways of leveraging even like the three or four 3D printers they have. Mm -hmm. We have people who are very curious uh, they're paying a lot of money to get involved in the technology, but are not sure how to use it. So mm -hmm. they're willing to pay someone else to help them. Yeah. And then we have people who think it's very cool, but they think that they could never do it. Mm. So we're looking to have our community help all these kind of different profiles interact together to upskill everyone into using the platform successfully. Awesome. I love that. Um, I think we're going to wrap the episode soon, wrap up the episode cool. soon. Is there a few um, topics or questions you kind of want to put out there for... Uh, things that you're kind of interested in or that you're, yeah. Um, let me think. <laughs> I would say, well, we're interested in people signing up to mm -hmm. uh, test our beta site when it's ready. Mm -hmm. um, our release is delayed. It was going to be in the summer of 2020. It would probably be looking more like uh, fall or even, uh, yeah, fall 2021 perhaps. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're looking for people who are interested in being uh our early uh, beta user group um, to test out the software, um, give us feedback. Um, so that that would be something that we that we are probably going to be announcing in a couple of months. Hopefully, once this virus goes away. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, is there where can people find uh, like what you're working on, and um, will also the the beta will that be on your website as well? Yeah, there's a sign up on our on our um, on our platform currently on our uh, if you go to womp.xyz, uh, we have a sign up link uh, for people to sign up um, and we'll be sending out newsletters and updates as we get closer to a launch. Perfect. And also, do you want to throw in um, your Twitter handle or any anywhere else where people can find you? Sure. Uh, people can find us at WompXYZ on Twitter and same handle uh, for Instagram. Um, and I think we have a couple of other uh, LinkedIn and, and Facebook sites with the same exact uh, handle of Womp XYZ. Perfect. I'll make sure to throw those in the Spotify and Anchor FM uh, description so people can find it easily. Um, Amazing. I'll stay on uh, for a couple of minutes after, but I'm going to wrap up the episode. So I want to thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. It's been such a such a pleasure. And that'll be all for this week's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening. And if you want to find the latest episode of the podcast, you can always find it on jeremybullerice.com. Or if you give me a follow on Spotify, you'll never miss a new episode. So thank you so much. If you have a request for a topic or a guest, you can tweet me at J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-O-U-L-E-R-I-C-E -E, or send me an email at jeremy at newcrowd.co. Thanks.